more on worry. With God as our helper, we're going to move into a season of life in which we say goodbye to fret and we bid farewell to anxiety. Anxiety comes with life, but it doesn't need to run our lives. And God has a prescription for anxiety, and this is it. As the words appear on the screen, I want you to read them out loud with me, please. Fill your lungs with air and your hearts with hope. Say the passage like you mean it. You ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And all the church said, let's pray together. And so, Heavenly Father, we're ready to be taught, to be led into a place of peace where your, where your peace guards our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus. Please forgive the sins of our speaker. They are many. And grant that we can see Christ, just Christ. Through Christ we pray. And all the church said. Well, we're going to begin our lesson with a simple exercise. I'd like to invite you to place a finger on this temple and a finger on this temple. And now... With fingers on our temples, let's all offer this prayer as the words appear on the screen. Thank you, Lord, for my amygdala. It's probably been a long time since you thanked God for your amygdala, but you should thank God for those two neural clusters, those almond-shaped phenomena that reside on either side of your brain. Thankfully, you have amygdala. And thanks to your amygdala, you're alive. Thanks to your amygdala, you ran for cover when you saw the grizzly. You stepped back on the curb when the car honked and you ducked your head when that baseball screamed in your direction. God has given you a set of amygdalae to protect you. They operate like a home security system. Perhaps in your house or apartment, if an intruder breaks a window or pries open a lock to your home, your home security system tells you and the bells go off and the lights flash. It's like Armageddon telling you to get up and get out and get safe. And this alarm system goes off before you even have to think about it. Amygdala do the same. You don't consciously think, hmm, a car is coming toward me. Uh, the car is faster than I am. The car is bigger than I am. Uh, I better move. You don't do that. You move before you even have time to think. When the amygdala commands, 
the rest of your body reacts. And oh, how your body reacts. Your pupils dilate. That improves your vision. You breathe faster. That pumps more oxygen into your lungs. Your pulse rate increases. This infuses blood into the system. Adrenaline turns you into Hercules. Surface-level blood vessels constrict, creating a temporary coat of armor. Even the bowel system reacts, sometimes embarrassingly. <laughs> By jettisoning that unnecessary weight of what we had for lunch. All this is to prepare us to fight or to be able for flight, be ready for flight. We're stronger, we're more alert, we're faster. We like our amygdalae, Amen. No, you don't. I'm just saying. But we like our good security system. What we don't like is a super sensitive security system. We don't want a security system in our home that goes off just when the bird chirps or the husband snores or the wind blows. You don't want that in your home. And you really don't want that in your head. Perpetual anxiety is amygdalae with an itchy trigger finger. Overreacting, quick to respond. It sees a mole on the skin and thinks cancer. It sees a dip in the economy and thinks recession. It hears the teenagers grumble and says they'll be on drugs before they leave the house. It's, a, it's an overreaction to a very real problem. Toxic anxiety is the mental alarm system that never turns off. Now, anxiety, as we pointed out last week, is, is helpful. Or an appropriate dosage of anxiety is good for us. It keeps us prepared. It keeps us alert. It keeps us on our toes. What we don't need is to live in a constant state of high alert. Here's why. God enabled our brains to replenish themselves with natural tranquilizers like dopamine and serotonin. And, and these actually restore the happiness to our brains. They restore peace and tranquility. But if the amygdala never shuts down, this system of natural tranquilizers that God has created never has an opportunity to to bring calmness to our thought process. Your brain never resets. You become edgy. You become unsettled. You become restless. You become perpetually anxious. Again, anxiety comes with life, but we don't want anxiety to run our life or dominate our life, and God will help you calm your amygdala. And he may use the Apostle Paul to do so. The Apostle Paul is the author of the anxious for nothing passage that appears in the book of Philippians. Now, if anyone had reason to be anxious, it was Paul. When he wrote these words, he was a weary old man, 60 years old in years, 30 years as a Christian, three decades of missionary service, and when he wrote these words, he was in a Roman prison. And he knew what being a Christian meant. His back was spiderwebbed with scars 
from being beaten multiple times. He had been left for dead twice. He was half blind. He was an old man. What's more, he was awaiting trial before a Roman council. Nero had learned to curry the favor of the Roman citizens by killing Christians. And there was no Christian more prominent than this one who sat in the Roman prison, the Apostle Paul. And as if the oppression from without, as if the oppression from Rome wasn't enough, the very churches that Paul had started were, well, they were struggling. Uh, Some of them were bickering. They stumbled. There were false preachers accusing the Apostle Paul of, of profiteering off the gospel. So much for the life of an easy, the easy life of an apostle. Paul's future was every bit as gloomy as the jail cell in which he sat. Yet when you read the letter that he wrote from that jail cell, you get the impression that he's a guy who's just arrived at a Jamaican beach hotel. There's no word of complaint. There's nary an expression of fear. He never shook a fist at God, but he lifted his thanks to God and called on readers to do the same. And he begins this paragraph of peace with these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Greek speakers of his day would see each other on the street and they would say rejoice, be glad. Like we would say, good morning, kairos. And this word kairos refers to a steady, sturdy gladness that does not depend upon outward circumstance. It requires no drink. It depends on no money. It lingers when the sunshine does not. And so the apostle calls upon his readers then and now to rejoice, to discover this this ballistic, this steady happiness and to rejoice in the Lord always. Not on some days, not on Fridays, not on paydays, but to rejoice in the Lord always. How in the world does this happen? How can someone going through a divorce find joy? How can someone in a hospital room rejoice? How can someone who's passing through a difficult season be, how how can they find this unquenchable joy? How can the burned out and the stressed out, how can they find joy? Well, the apostle is giving us the answer. He says, rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord. Don't miss that tiny little two-letter preposition. Rejoice in the Lord. What does in mean? Well, to rejoice in the Lord can either be a command to admire the Lord or to recognize your position in the Lord. If I rejoice in your accomplishments, I admire them. If I celebrate in your office, that means I'm standing next to your desk. So what is Paul saying? Is this a statement of admiration or a reminder of position? I think both. He begins by saying, 
Celebrate God's power. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in what God has done. Rejoice in his accomplishments. When anxiety comes, instead of focusing on your problem, turn your attention to God and meditate on his creation, his incarnation, his act of redemption. Applaud him. Worship him. And as you do, you reinforce your faith. Anxiety decreases as our understanding of the Lord increases. Anxiety decreases as our understanding of the Lord increases. I'm going to try to illustrate this in a way. I'm not sure it's going to work. Don't be mad at me if it doesn't. But let's suppose something. Let's suppose that your dad is a heart surgeon. Not just a typical heart surgeon, as if there was a typical heart surgeon. But let's, let's suppose that your dad is the greatest heart surgeon in the history of the world. People travel from countries all over to receive his treatment. He works in the chest cavity like a mechanic works under the hood. He's so comfortable. He's the most famous heart surgeon in history. Now, you're 13 years old. You're a bit young to comprehend what your father does for a living, but you're not too young to fall down the stairs and twist your ankle. And on a given day, you do. And you writhe on the floor and you scream for help. And just for the fun of it, let's add a dramatic touch to the story. Let's say that you're just a few days away from the big dance. And this is a terrible time for you to have a healthy ankle, and you don't have one. In walks your father, the heart surgeon, still wearing his scrubs from the day's work. He removes your shoe. He peels back your sock. You scream at the size of the tennis ball-sized bump in your adolescent anxiety begins to kick in. Your amygdalae kicks in. Oh, Dad! I'll never walk again. He says, yeah, you will. Oh, Dad, I'll never be healthy enough to go to the dance. Yes, you will. Oh, Dad, no one knows how to help me. No one can fix me. Yes, someone can. And then he looks at you and he says, do you know what I do? Well, to tell the truth, you don't. I mean, you're 13 years old. You know he goes to the hospital all the time. You know your mom thinks he's smart. Maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. <laughs> but you really don't know. And he says, you know, I think it's time you learned what your father can do. And so the next day after class, you come out of school on crutches. And guess who's in the parking lot? Your dad. He loads you in the car and he takes you to the hospital. He takes you to his office. He shows you a wall full of diplomas. And you look at them and look at him and say, you earned all those? And he says, yes. And then he hands you a thick manual. 
And it's got your last name on the cover. And you look at the book and you look at your dad and you say, you wrote this? He says, yes. About that time, he gets called. He says, I've got to go into surgery. I'm taking you with me. Next thing you know, you are standing right there in the middle of a surgical procedure and your father is every bit as comfortable in removing a heart and replacing it as anyone you've ever seen. And one of the nurses whispers to you, you know your dad is the best. And on the way home, you turn to your dad and what do you say? Now, dad, what did you say about my ankle? And you look at him differently. Your anxiety is decreasing because your understanding of your father is what? Increasing. Now, you know exactly where I'm going with this. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in what he has done. Rejoice in who he is. Stand back and look at the splendor of the stars in the sky. Look around at the endless orbit of planets. Consider the microbes and the accomplishments of God. Ponder the scriptures that say that God has no beginning and he has no end. That he is everywhere at one time. That he knows every thought that you've ever had. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. No one can defeat him. Look long and hard into the heart of your father. You know what I think? I think a lot of us walk around with unnecessary anxiety because of temporary limps. And when God says, I can take care of that, we don't know what to think. The apostle says, rejoice in the Lord. Look long and hard at your God. You deal with anxiety by shifting your gaze to your almighty God. If your problems are getting to you, it's because you're giving your problems too much thought. And God, not enough. And so, consider what God has done. The scripture promises he will keep in perfect peace all who trust in him, whose thoughts turn where? Often to the Lord. The mind that is full of God is empty of anxiety. Are you troubled? Are you restless? Are you sleepless? Well, consider God's power and celebrate your position. The apostle says rejoice in the Lord. Look around you. Where are you? Well, spiritually speaking, you are in Christ. You have been placed in him as if he is a mighty fortress. And no enemy can get to you without first going through him. This is a recurring theme with the Apostle Paul. Romans 6, 11, he says, Christians are dead to sin, but alive to God, where? In Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, 13, you were also included, where? In Christ, 
when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So when Paul says rejoice in the Lord, he is saying rejoice in what God has done, but also rejoice in your position. You're not left out in the cold. You aren't without protection. You're not a victim of the elements. You aren't exposed to the harsh challenges of life without protection. You have been brought into a safe haven. You are in the Lord. In the late 1970s, Steven Spielberg produced a movie called Jaws. If you saw it, then you're getting old. It related the story of a monster shark that made a meal out of the swimmers up and down the New England coast. One of the great scenes involved a crusty old boat captain and the local sheriff and a crew member. They set off on the captain's fishing boat in search of the shark. No one had ever seen the shark before, including these three men. And when they did, when they saw Jaws, when they saw the shark, they nearly fell over in fright, and the captain gave one of the most famous lines in cinematic history. What was it? We're going to need a bigger boat. If you're afraid, if you're living in anxiety, you know what you need? You need a bigger boat. Imagine that these three men had been riding a larger vessel. Suppose they were standing on the deck of the Seawise Giant. That's the largest ship to be created in the history of the world. Four football fields long, 564,000 tons. Now, if these same three men had been standing on the deck of the Seawise Giant and looked down in the water and seen jaws, how would they have responded? They would have said, well, now that's a big shark. But they would not have been afraid. Why? Because they were in a vessel that was stronger. You are too. You are too. The world is swimming with sharks. And they attack and they gouge and they devour, but they, listen to me, church, they cannot destroy you. They cannot. Because you are on a vessel called the USS Jesus Christ. And he is sturdy and he is strong. And the devil's greatest attacks come in the form of minnows to him. You're in his grace. You're in his care. So rejoice in the Lord. Recognize your position. You're in his family. You can take note of your sharks, but even more so, take note of your Savior. He will protect you. Here's a promise from the book of Psalms. Those who go to God most high for safety will be protected by the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, you are my place of safety and protection. You are my God, and I trust you. God will save you from hidden traps and from deadly diseases. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you can hide. His truth 
will be your shield and protection. Just like a mother hen covers her chicks, so God will cover you. In one of her books, Peggy Joyce Ruth gives an insight into this passage. She writes, My husband Jack and I live out in the country. And one spring, our old mother hen hatched a brood of baby chickens. One afternoon, when they were scattered all over the yard, I suddenly saw the shadow of a hawk overhead. I then noticed something very unique that taught me a lesson I will never forget. That mother hen did not run to those little chicks and jump on top of them to try to cover them with her wings. No. Instead, she squatted down, spread out her wings, and began to cluck. And those little chickens from every direction came running to her to get under those outstretched wings. Then she pulled her wings down tight, tucking every little chick safely under her. To get to those babies, the hawk would have had to go through the mother. You know, God offers protection, but we do have to run to him. He extends his wings, but we do have to respond. Can I encourage you to imitate those little chicks? Make it your aim to hide beneath the shadow of God's strong wings. This requires a conscious decision on your part. This requires a conscious decision to focus more on your father and less on your sprained ankle. This requires a conscious decision to look around you and see and recognize that you are on the USS Jesus Christ. This will not happen if you do not decide to do so. If you do not decide to do so, you will run to places that cannot give you peace. You will run to people who cannot give you peace. You will run to ideas and philosophies who cannot give you peace. But there Jesus extends his mighty wings and he welcomes you. It just falls to you and to me to turn our attention and run to him. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in what he has done. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in where you are. He is a good and capable physician. You are in his strong and mighty vessel. And with his help, you can be anxious for nothing. Amen. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, you have told us that through your power there will be a renewal of the mind. We come to you as fear-filled people, anxious people who have gotten into the habit of worry. 
We believe, Father, that by the power of your Spirit, you will calm our anxious thoughts. You will let fear and anxiety do its work. And then you will lead us into a place of peace. This is our desire, Father. Extend your wings over us. And may we find comfort in you. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.